great. Uh, I want another hand for all those that serve here at Pearl Highlands Congregation. Uh, we were at uh, Dave and Buster's yesterday, and I, I think, uh, you know, we had a great time of games and all that, but we had, the, we had a lot of youth. We had a lot of uh, kids with us, and I think they love Dave and Buster's. In fact, some of them were crying. I was like, why are they crying? Because they wanted to go out and play games already, and so they got to go out after, and we just had a great time, you know, and uh, I just want to encourage you here, if, you know, if, again, if Pearlside Highlands is your place of worship, uh, we want to encourage you, and even those online and Theater 11, that you will be part of serving, uh, be part of our serve teams, you know, because a lot of times we come to service, we enjoy it, but we don't realize there's a lot of things that go on the back end that we don't see of people worshiping God, uh, you know, serving God, but even like setting up and, and getting, you know, like the worship team comes early to practice, and they have to set up, and we have a set-up team, breakdown team. I mean, we have a kids' ministry. Uh, we have media. We have sound. We have all and ushers, welcome ministry. You can be part of us, and, and this is a family, and I want to ask you, uh, yeah, to be part of that. And uh, But, you know, we had a lot of people that came, but a lot of people weren't able to come, and I just wanted to take time to just really recognize all the serve team members. How about another hand for all our serve team members? Thank you very much. Appreciate that. We we love you. You know, um, you know, this past weekend, I guess on Friday, it was it was Veterans uh, uh, Day, and uh, you know, we wanted to take time now and to really honor uh, any veterans that we have in the house of God today. If you're a veteran, uh, would you please stand? We want to pray for you. Can you please stand? Any veterans? Uh huh. No veterans. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Any other ones? All right. Great. Okay. Well, you just stay standing. I'll pray. You can stretch forward your hand. Be a representation of other people who are veterans. Father, we thank you, God, for all the veterans today, Lord. Uh, God, we had a number of them in the first service, but Lord, we pray just your, your blessings upon them, Father. We pray for healing in their hearts and their minds, and especially some of them were in combat and they saw things that, Lord, really, uh, you know, it's not, it affects their memory. And we pray, God, today you would heal their memories, Lord. And Father, that you would place your love, your peace, and your joy in their heart, God, and begin to see life from your perspective, Lord. And Father, I thank you for their sacrifice. I thank you for their, just their willingness to, to go into harm's way and to really live uh, in, in a place of protecting our, our freedom, Lord. We, the freedom sometimes we take so easily for granted, Lord. But Father, we are thankful on this Sunday, Lord. And we had just, uh, just recognized the veterans all weekend, Lord. And we ask, God, that you will pour into their lives, God, and that you will bless them, God. And that you would really show them of the greater things you have for their lives, Lord. But thank you for them, and we praise you. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. Thank you very much, uh, my man Brendan. Yeah for battling for us and that, you know. Um, you know, this church really was built on the next generation. Uh, you know, when I, from, from our mother church back then, it was Grace Bible, I came into church, I was 18 years old, my buddy David invited me, uh, we were on the campus, and then Pastor Norman became, he was our college pastor, and he was speaking to my life and pouring into my life, and really, you know, a lot of times back then, Sometimes I thought nothing really happening, but something happened in my life. And today I'm a pastor because of his influence in my life. See, someone took the time to pour into my life. And, 
and spend time with me. Even when all the times when I probably, probably drove him crazy. If you ask Pastor Norman, he'll tell you a lot of stories. That sometimes he just felt like giving up on me. But, but, but every time he felt like that, he, God would say, no, you go again. You go again. And, and, you know, he broke through. Why? Because one of the things is not so much all the knowledge he had. What broke through was because I realized this guy really loved me. And he wasn't just saying it, but he was, he was doing it. I remember I was going to uh, there was the college camp, and I didn't have the funds to go to the camp. And what he did was he, he paid for me to go. You see, that's what love would do. Love would make you go the extra mile because you love someone. Well, he loved the next generation. And uh, so and when he started ProSide here, and we're going on 28 years, it was all about the next generation of people. So it's important that we really be a church that really uh, uh, beyond our generation. And we're in this series living beyond ourselves. You know, remember last week we talked about how we have to really live beyond ourselves like how Christ did and make a difference in the world around us. Well, today I want to talk about how we can make a difference in the generation, the younger generation, the next generation. See, a lot of times we think about my generation. You know, we hear people talk about, well, my time. My, you hear people say, my time. I was a, a great basketball player. My time. And we all talk about our generation. But we don't ever talk about the next generation. But you see, if we don't be responsible and take care of the next generation, well, we can, something can happen in our, in our time that we can see the next generation go astray. And it's not on God. Let me tell you what, it's on us. So one of the ways we are called to live beyond is to, is to really uh, think about our next, the next generation. God commands us to invest in the next generation. Well, my first point here is we must live beyond our generation and invest in the faith of the next generation. Psalm 78, I'm going to start from verse 1 and down to verse 8. It says this, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know, know them. The children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should, not, they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keeps His commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful, to God. Father, bless your word today, God. Open our hearts and our minds that we will see the truths, Lord, that's embedded in this passage, Lord. But not that seeing it, but Lord, we would apply it to our lives that we become more like you. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Well, the psalmist here was writing, it's really a song, song that they had to sing and to emphasize the importance of, of ongoing obedience to God's word. And the endurance of the eternal kingdom influence. Communicate to future generations the stories 
of the scripture. Highlight what God has done before. This includes the legacy of what God has done for us, in us, and through us. Today, we know the gospel is that story, the good news of why Jesus came to us. But see, it's the center of the scriptures that we have to be able to communicate to the next generation. We have to pass on the commandments of God's word to future generations. Do so in a way that that they will know them, share them, keep them, and rely on the one who created them. And that's why God wants us to be very mindful of the next generation. That we will take, take responsibility of that. You know, raising up the people, a lot of times it starts in your home. And if you're a parent, and you might say, well, I have kids, or maybe you have adult kids. Well, it's your responsibility to put the Word of God in them. It's your responsibility to pray for them. You know, I love the fact that we have kids' church, that you can bring your kids and bring them into church. And it's really good. But, you know, kids' church only happens one day a week. See, what happens from, from actually from Monday to Saturday is the discipleship of your responsibility as a parent pouring into their lives. It's not just for someone else to do it, it's for you to do it. You know, I heard one, a great lady said once that it's not what happens at the White House that brings change, it's what happened at your house. That's why it's important that you, you as a, a dad and a mom will prepare and begin to an example of laying the foundation of God's word in your kids. It goes on to say this, uh, it's not on screen, but Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 to 9. It says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them. And when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. Sometimes you got to write on your hand, not just speak to the hand. And these shall be of frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. You see, a lot of times, you know, it's really, I, I love when I go visit families. You know, as a pastor, I get to go into homes. I love the fact when I see scriptures on the walls. You go to the batch of scriptures, scriptures on the, wind, the mirror. That's the word of God. Because they, I realize that family is being intentional of getting the word of God into their kids. They're not just going to be passive. Why? Because there's a lot of things on social media, on the internet, that's really trying to draw our kids away. That's why you have to be intentional on putting God's word. You have to be creative in putting God's word into them. You know, yesterday we, we, had, the, we had the gathering. The, the kids came up and they recited the Lord's Prayer. I was so blessed. And they, they just kind of rattled that thing off, you know. Because I realized, man, those kids, those parents are putting something into them. You see, they're talking the words of God. It's not just going to show up, oh, you know, hocus pocus. Let me tell you what, you have to be intentional with it. I love the fact when I talk to uh, Liko and, and Nikki and they get their kids together, they, they, have, they have their own small groups, but they have a small group among their family. They put the word of God in the middle of that. They're not going to let the kids, oh, they're tired. No, they're going to they're be intentional about that. 
Well, how many of you know that, hey, when you put the word of God in their lives, although they may go through trials, they may get distracted, they will come back to the word of God. Look what it says in Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he or she should go. Even when they are old, they will not depart from it. I've been a Christian for a while. I know that when you put the word of God in someone, they might grow old, they might get rebellious, they might go their own way, get distracted, they might walk away far from God. That's why we got the, the scripture tells us about the prodigal son. There are prodigal sons and daughters out there, but I know this for a fact, and I've seen it, I've witnessed it. When the word of God has put it in them when they're young, although they may wander off and do their own thing, somehow, somehow that word that's in them, because you train them up, you're very intentional about that, they find their way back to God. Someone ought to say amen on that. That's how true God's word is. That's why we have to make sure we're intentionally training them up in the way and putting the word of God into them. If we don't like how things are going on in our nation, in our world, well, we must invest in the faith of the next generation. See, when I go to the kids' church, sometimes I go to the restroom and I stop by, and I see the kids, and, and some of them look at me, it's like they give me that look like, rescue me from this place, you know. They want me to take them out. And I say, I, so I cannot, I, I, I got to preach. But I see them, and, and some of them, they want to, you can look, they want to like break out, and you know, they want to break out of jail, you know. I, in fact, we had one before in the past. He would always come out and run toward the doors, you know, one of those guys. But what happened was, I, I see the kids there. What I see, I don't see uh, a nuisance. I don't see uh, a, a bothersome. I, what I see, I see the future leaders. I see the future champions. I see the future business owners, the, the fu future uh, politicians. I see the future educators. That's what I see. That's how God sees them. And then we have to see them the same way. Oh, Pastor Coach, you don't know, man. You, 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 you're not at my house uh, all the time. You don't know how they are. Well, let me tell you what. They're going to be just like how you are. Oh, it's awfully quiet now. Because how you love God and serve God, they're going to love God and serve God. Because when you get around them, how I many of you know, it's not so much about taught. You teach them, they're falling asleep. But when you're around spending time with them, it's about Catching it. It's about caught, not just taught. They'll catch the anointing when they're around. That's why moms and dads, man, I want to I exhort you, I want to encourage you, man, to spend time with your kids. Even if they, How many of them, they grew up real fast? You have to put the word of God in them. You might say, well, man, you don't know where I've been, man. I'm not, I'm not perfect. Yeah, I know that already. The Bible tells me that. But it's not about perfection. It's about progression. It's about moving from here to another uh, point in God and you walk with the Lord. It's, not, it's about how you can train your kids. You know, the greatest thing you can give them is the wisdom of God. You know, there, there's three kinds of people in the world today, right? There's, 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 the, there's the foolish person, there's the good person, and there's the wise person. How many of you want to be a wise person? Well, let me tell you what. The foolish person keeps doing the same mistakes over and over. They don't learn from their mistakes. The good person learns from his mistakes. But the wise person, the wise person learns from the good person's mistakes and they become wiser. That's why the wisdom that's inside of you, of all the mistakes you made and you learn, you ought to give that to the next generation. 
And you might say, wow, that's kind of outdated. No, let me tell you what. Things can change. Culture can go all different ways. But the principles of God stand. And it's, and it's, it's truth. And the truth will set us free. So we have, we have to be intentional about that. You know, parents ought to raise their children up in the admonition of the Lord. You know, uh, I have a picture of, I guess, uh, my, my, my sister and my brother-in-law, Eddie, and uh, Frida Koyolopo with their son, Sean Koyolopo. And Sean, uh, when he was young, I remember we were at, at LCC, him and his other cousin, who was actually coming along and, and, and tracking along to even going to leadership. But what happened was, uh, Sean, I remember him and the other cousin, they were young, they were worshiping God, and they said, you know, Uncle, when we get older, we want to we, we be like you, we want to be a pastor. Uh, when I looked at them, I was, so, I was so, you know, full of joy because, hey, I know the devil didn't give you that idea. But you see, as they went on in life, they went and, and they, they went to this school and he went, and, and, you know, you know UH and graduated with his bachelor's degree. He was going into the school of ministry. And it was hard because people didn't understand. You know, but, you know, Eddie understood because Eddie has a business and he was hoping to pass it to his son, Sean. But Sean said, no, I, I feel called to the ministry. I want to I do ministry. So Eddie realized, his father realized he has to support his son. And so all along, you begin to see Sean. He was, he was discipled even early on with, with, with uh, Pastor Kiyomo and, and Pastor Wade. They poured into Sean. I got a chance to pour into his life. And then now he's working with Pastor Billy Lau, pouring into him. The next generation. But he had a mom and dad that loved God. They weren't perfect, but they were pouring into him. And today, today he, God has raised him up, and uh, he's married. His wife is really on board with, with ministry. They have a beautiful son, Azil. But now he's, he's, our, he's like our middle school pastor at the main campus. He's now pouring in to other generations. So what happened is he meets with people. What was done to him, he began to do with others. He baptized these, these, these people, young people, and they meet on the campus. God's doing some amazing things in and through his life. But it, it didn't just come overnight. It was the, it was the, the intentionality, the, the, the mundane of life, where there's an intentionality of putting the word of God in his life. And what he's doing today, I'm so proud of him. But I know that someone, his parents did for him what no one else was going to do for him. You see, you realize the responsibility starts with you. You may be here, you think, well, man, it's kind of late, coach. My, my kids are, oh, no, it's never, never, never too late. They might be your adult kids, but they're still your kids. And you can start today by being intentional in their life and sharing God's word, praying with them. You know, most of the, the campus, minister, the campus uh, congregation pastors that we have today, uh, with Pastor Wade, uh, he was one on the campus. And then we, we have like Pastor Tim Ma and Billy Lyle and, and Pastor uh, 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 Kiyomo. They were all one on the campus. I remember when we had our first youth camp and, and they were there and they were in, uh, part of them were in my cabin. Man, I remember praying for them to get filled with the Holy Spirit. They talk about it till this day, but they never forgot their time. And I begin to pray with them and, and pour into them. And not just me, there was other uncles and aunties pouring into their life. And now today to see that they are leaders of congregations. 
Because why at first in the beginning, Pastor Norman was very intentional. We're not going to move on without the next generation. I want to say to you, wherever you are in life today, it starts with your kids and it starts with the teens that are around you. You ask God to show you and you begin to disciple them. Disciple them. You know, this past uh, prayer, uh, fasting and prayer time, we had a moment, we were going through the list and praying for things and, and God just whispered in my ear, Son, pray for the next generation. Take a look at this clip. You know, it kind of ended abruptly, but I want you to catch it. That's what we did, pray for the next generation. It's important that we pray for them. If you don't know what to do, the thing you can start is to pray for them. And it's really important that we do that. Now, um, you know, failing to do so will have consequences. And there's a scripture, a passage in Joshua, uh, Judges chapter 2, verse 7 to 12. But it's talking about Joshua. Joshua was one of the great leaders of Israel. You remember when Moses went off the scene, everything was passed to Joshua. And Joshua led them across, uh, across the, the Jordan River, and he took them into the promised land. Remember, they overcame the walls of Jericho. They began to do some amazing things. And he led them from nation to nation. They began to conquer. He was a great leader. But we see along the way, Joshua, um, his life, something happened with the generation after his generation, that we see that, that we have to make sure that that doesn't happen to us. And he says this in Judges chapter 2, verse 7, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works that the Lord has done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, at the age of 110 years, he died at 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in Timnath, here is, in the hills country of Ephraim, north of the, main, of the mountain Goash. And all the generations were, also were gathered to the fathers. But listen to this next part. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he has done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had, thought, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them and bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. So Joshua, he was the, one of the greatest leaders of, of Israel, but something happened from his generation to the next generation. Somehow, uh, the, the, the stories, the word of God, the, the, the stories of the amazing things God did, did not pass to the next generation. And that, that generation began to wander away from God. They began to chase after other gods. They began to do things that were evil in the sight of God. That's why it's important 
that we begin to bring the gospel, the word of God, forefront, that we don't see the next generation wander off like that. We look at America, how America has become such a, a, like a real godless society, doing things like abortion and things in life, that allowing those things, and we see the laws change, but people fighting against that. Why? Because man, when you don't understand God and, and the creation story, you get all confused with all the other stories. That's why it's important that we begin to pour into the next generation. Our responsibility is to reach and disciple the next generation so they can experience God's blessing and invest in a generation after them. You know, that's what I love about Sean. He, he, the, the, we invested in his, his generation. Now he's investing in the next generation. And we want to see that in our midst. You might ask, well, how do you do this? Well, we can live beyond our generation by investing in the next generation with our time. Time is very important, but when you spend time with someone, you know, I was a, I was a basketball coach for many years. You know, you, you coach a, a team, but you got the players who would stay after and you spend time with them. They are usually the players that excel, the players that really go to the next level, but you spend time with them. And even as us, we have to spend time with the next generation. So what happened was that uh, this past Wednesday morning, I was praying. I was praying. I said, God, help me, help me to minister to the next generation. I want to have some, I want to have a teen in my life. I want to have someone in the 20s, as that's Boko and Sierra. I want to have somebody in the 30s, which is uh, uh, Kekoa and Anuhea and, and others. And I want somebody in the 40s, uh, which is Liko and Nikki. And even in the 50s, you know, am I, I'm not going to go any further. No, no. Even above me, I want to make sure that I'm ministering to all generations. So I was praying. I say, Lord, and, you know, I, I know a lot of teens and they're in my ch- our church, but Lord, show me one, you know. So I'm just praying, God, uh, show me today. Who is that teen I have to reach out to and spend time with? Well, you know, in the afternoon, I was very busy. I'm moving from one place to another place, and I was doing some cleaning up. And then this phone, my phone rang, and all of a sudden I see this guy's name, this kid's name, and I'm saying, why is he calling me? I'm busy, you know. And so he said, hey, Pastor Coach, I remember you told me some time ago that, hey, if you're free, you can hang out, you know, you hang out with me. And I was like, oh, my God, not today. And I was like, you know, thinking I was going to give him the excuse like what most of us do. But I'm glad that as I was about to tell him my excuse, somehow God intervened and said, hey, hey, son, remember your prayer this morning? And all of a sudden I realized this is a God phone call. When a teenager has the courage to call a pastor, that's a God phone call. When a teenager calls you, that's an opportunity. What I did was I, I said, hey, where are you? He said, well, I'm in the front of the school. I said, I'm coming right now. I dropped whatever I was doing. Go pick him up. And I was thinking, like, oh, God. I mean, he calls me on this day. Yeah, okay. I pick him up. So we, we're driving down the hill. And, you know, one thing with kids, you know about this, that, that, that a lot of times after school, they're very hungry. And if I talk to him, he's probably not going to listen. But if I feed him, he probably listen after that. So we're going down the hill. We're going through McDonald's drive-through, and I know he was hungry. But so I told him, "Hey, what you like to eat?" He did not, did not even hesitate. 
<laughs> Tell me what he wanted. <laughs> so we got, got him eating the food, driving him home because I had to go to another meeting. But we parked and we just talk. We just talk. This, this kid is going through some trials right now. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't think I see him today. Usually he comes. But he's going through some rough times. Our teenagers always go through. And I realized an opportunity for me to pour into his life. Uh, this kid is, a, is an outstanding athlete. He plays for high school. He's a football player, running back. But going through some big trials. But how many of you know that that moment, even as little as it is seen, spent with him, that we came into a place where we said, okay, we're going to do the one-to-one discipleship. I'm going to do it with him. I'm going I'm 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 to continue with this thing. Why? Because God set it up. God said, see, some of us, you know, God may place a, a, a teenager or someone younger in your heart, but what happened is you're, you're busy and you're so distracted and God wants you to make time. How many of you know you make time for what you value? Some of you will say, well, you know, I, you know I, 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 I golf every day. Let me tell you, that's what you value. You make time for that. It's not wrong to golf, you know. I don't golf. I just kind of see myself chasing a small ball all over the place, you know. I don't golf. But if golf is distracting me from pouring into the next generation, I ought to think about that and see how can I position myself. Now, you know me, I've been an open book to all of you. I just share with you what I'm going through. But let me tell you what, every one of us here today and those of you online, if we be intentional about the next generation, God will do something in their lives that one day when they look back, they'll remember the time you spent with them, the time you poured into them. It takes time to do that. I want to encourage you this week to do that to the next generation. You know, I, I, you know, you, you pour into them. You know, um, you know, Pastor Camille Omo. Everybody knows Pastor Camille Omo. You know, she has a son, Key Omo, who became our pastor, and she has amazing testimonies. And she's a prayer warrior. She's our prayer uh, pastor. She also leads a lot of women. And and some of you here in the service, you have direct contact with her. But Pastor Camille, before she was Pastor Camille, she was anti Camille. And she had this van. I just remember she would pick up kids from all over the island and bring them to church. Uh, you know, her son, Key, was going to Kamehameha at the time. Um, you think Kamehameha, well, you know, let's say it correctly, Kamehameha, just for all my Hawaiian brothers. But what happened was he, you know, she would go pick them up. They don't all live around Kamehameha. All those Kamehameha students live all over the island. But she would pick them up. Wade in was living in Kailua. She would pick him up and bring him to church. She would use her van to go pick people up. And then so some of the people are still in our church today, and they remember Auntie Camille picking them up and talking to them about Jesus while she's driving. You know, back then they didn't have any cell phones, so she didn't be texting. She'd just be talking. You know, I did that myself in the beginning of ProSide. I had a truck, and I would pick up uh, students, and, and, and some of them were my relatives. And I was coaching at Pro City High School, but I would pick up Ayer High School kids and bring them to church. And you think it's kind of weird, because Pro City and Ayer are rivalries. 
I was coaching Pro City girls and the boys, but I was picking up the IEA girls and bringing them to church. There's uh, something wrong with that picture. But then my girls started wondering, what about us? Well, I said, all along, you guys always can come. So I started, I started picking up both of them, both skis. And they all sitting in youth service, you know. You got the Aiel bunch one side. You got the Pearl City here. And it's just kind of amazing. And there was always the Waianae. There was always, we always had the west side. I'll give you the west side. We always had them somehow. Uh, there was a, a guy who was driving a truck. He goes all the way out to Waianae, pick them up, bring them to church. And you know what? I, and you say, why, why he would do that? Why? Let me tell you what. Because he had a love for the next generation. Pick them up, bring them to church. Spending time with them. Some of them, I see them around, and they always remember those days. Why? Because we valued the next generation. It's very important you understand. Pearl side, we value the next generation. So it's going to take your time. You see, you can think about the next generation. Ah, oh, they're just a nuisance. They're, they're just uh, they're bothering us, and oh, they're, they're, they're irritating us. Now, let me tell you what. That's not how God looks at them. He looks at them with love. And grace. And then we have to share our treasures, our finances. I mean, like I just said earlier, it costs money to, to minister to the young people. I remember a lot of times they'd be riding in my truck. Where are we going, coach? Well, we're going to Jack in the Boss, get that 99 cent special. Because you got to feed them. You know, you, you try to talk to kids without feeding them. You got to get a spam musubi in their mouth before they're going to hear the gospel from you. So I'll drive them all around. In fact, uh, Nicholas here on the drums, he used to be one of the guys in my truck. And then they would, they would just come around. And, and what happened was God, God, God was working on them. But you see, it takes money. It takes food to feed them. You have to spend time with them. You got to use your finances uh, and invest into the next, next generation. You know, the Bible talks about David, King David, in 1 Chronicles 22, verse 5. He wasn't able to build the temple of the Lord. And God said, because you, 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 you shed lives and, with blood and, and you, you did things that wasn't uh, God, uh, pleasing to God. So God said, you're not going to build my temple, but your son is going to build my temple. So King Solomon, what he did was he was going to build a temple, but he was inexperienced. He was a young guy. But see, David, because God didn't say he could build a temple, he didn't just get insecure and say, well, I'll just leave the young boy to himself and figure it out on his own. No, David gave up his finances. You can see that in 1 Chronicles 22. He helped his son. You see, he wasn't going to let his son fail. He was going to make sure that he's going to set his son up for success. See, some of us, we've got to pour into the next generation. Pour in our finances to help them. You know, I talked about uh, in the earlier service, you know, um, you, you got Jeff and Leanne Agonos who's going to leave in January to, to live in another country, in Thailand, to be missionaries. Well, what they do is, uh, the way they go is by the, the finances of people. They build ministry partners that will give, them, give to them on a monthly basis to help support them so they can do the ministry and the call of God. I want to. I want to encourage you. Hey, if you if you want to do that, you can partner with them. Because even as big or small amount that you give, let me tell you what that makes a big difference in the ministry. Why? It shows that you're investing in the next generation. You're not afraid to pour your finances because you know you're sowing seeds into the next generation. Can I hear your name, man? Somebody. 
Some of you have talents, your resources, and you know you use whatever resources we have to offer. I said earlier about coaching. Some of you are coaches. I look across this room, and in the first service, I see a lot of coaches. Coaching is not just about the W, just want to win. Oh, yes, Pastor Coach likes to win, too. But that's not the high priority. It's about really pouring into the next generation, using your platform, not just to get them skillful in the sport that you're coaching them, but to actually share the gospel with them and pray with them. See, God gives us a platform. And maybe you're a coach in the, in the business world where you're coaching people that are younger. Some of you, 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 you're, you're coaching people to become better uh, workers and, and, you, and, you, and you're guiding them. Well, let me tell you what, coaching them is one thing, but you need to also coach them in a way where you share the gospel with them. Paul said this in, in Romans 1, and he said this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it has the power to bring salvation to all that would dare to believe. See, Paul wasn't going to be uh, passive about his faith. He was intentional about the next generation. That's why he had a Timothy in his life that he poured into Timothy's life. And Timothy became a great pastor. Why? Because Paul was intentional to pour pour into him. Who is God placing in your heart that you need to pour into? You need to make a difference. Maybe it's tutoring. And, you know, we used to have a tutoring system where, you know, a lot of kids after school, mom and dad is not around, but they're working to just try to make ends meet. And, you know, you, you may be an educator. I, I remember Pastor Camille used to have tutors. They would tutor certain students and help them with their school. Some of you know what, what I'm talking about. You probably got through school, maybe college, because you had a tutor. God has tutors to, to, to you can be a, a in between, just kind of helping out families and, and also sharing God's love with them. But you know, what people are looking for is just love. You may say, Well, I don't have the knowledge, Pastor Goes. I don't have all the tools. But hey, can you love somebody? Can you love them like the way God loves them? See, people don't know, they don't care what you know until they know that you care and you love them. And you're willing to love them. Who is God placing in your heart to love? To really share the love of God with? That you can make a difference in their lives. You see, what happened, we all have something to invest in the next generation. But one thing we cannot do is do nothing. Do nothing. I want to show you this video clip. And this is Tim Tebow, who, who I talked about Last week, remember how he would uh, raise funds, use his, his, uh, his platform to help the, help the homeless, help the, 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 the abused. And he was, he was always about helping, uh, you know, the kids that are caught in uh, uh, trafficking humans and, and just always helping. But he did this one speech that would really signify the difference between success and significance. Take a look at this clip. There's a picture that I stumbled across, and it's one of Time's 100 most influential images of all time. And it's a picture of this young girl. She's on her way from her village to a feeding center not far away. And she's so malnourished, and she's moving so slow 
that this vulture is waiting to attack. So the young man that took this picture, I think there was probably something in his heart that he, he wanted to do good, he just, he wasn't sure, so, so he, he captured this picture and he just waited and, and then the vulture got closer, so he kind of shooed the vulture off and then he walked away and the vulture would come right back. And he was told, because of some of the sicknesses in the areas, don't touch anybody, don't do anything, and so he didn't. He didn't. He did nothing. Because apparently the cost was too much. So he left. He went back. The New York Times published this photo in 1993. In 94, he won the Pulitzer Prize for this photo. Four months after this, he chose to end his life. You see, every single one of us we have a chance to be successful in life. And you know what? I hope you are. I really do. I, I hope you're successful. There's nothing wrong with being successful. But success is just about you. But significance is about other people. You see, that man that took that picture, he had success. That's one of the greatest honors a photographer could ever have. But obviously it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. So what's going to be enough for you? You see, success is great. You can do a lot of things with it, but it's not going to be fulfilling. And you can never forget that sense of urgency that it's not about your timeline, it's about their timeline. While you might have 30, 40, 50 years, they have days, minutes, moments. She had moments, but it wasn't worth it to go pick her up. It wasn't worth it to give her a hug. It wasn't worth it to tell her about the gospel. Yeah, I won a Pulitzer Prize, but what does it matter? What does it matter? It doesn't. And I think the greatest tragedy in life is we're going to look back one day and say, I was successful in things that don't matter. I want you to be successful, but more than anything, I want you to be significant. And when you live for Jesus and you love people, I believe you're going to have a life of significance. Let's all stand. Just bow your heads for a moment. God wants us to live a life of success but actually he wants us to live a life of significance. Who is that person maybe God's speaking to you about right now that you need to pick up, you need to spend time with, spend your finances, you need to teach them, train them. There was a young man that was in the service, the first service. He came back today after being away for a long time. The reason why is because there was a guy in this church would love him, 
in spite of all what he's done. Love him. And let me tell you what, they may wander away, but they always get drawn back because of love. As we worship God, talk, worship him, just allow the Lord to speak to you today. He wants you to live beyond your generation. Let's worship him.